According to Skype, to avoid legal snags, I should tell you guys that we're recording now. <laughs> I did not agree to this. I'm not a uh, <laughs> Sorry. You get the I think release. Skype said something. Welcome to 321 Lay On Podcast, Next Level Nerd's official LARPing podcast. Please visit nextlevelnerd.com for all of our different shows and uh, connect with us on social media profiles. Subscribe to our show if you enjoy it, and uh, if you want to help us out, give us a review on iTunes, uh, share the show with your friends, all that good stuff. Today I have my brother Evan with me. How you doing, Evan? Hey, doing all right. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and joining us today are some repeat guests and a, and a new guest. We have the cast staff of runes of destiny one of the uh, first not frontier dawn larps that we talked to i think mm-hmm. way back when skype told me it was seven months ago when i called you last so <laughs> welcome back thank you very much yeah thank you it's uh, good to be back thanks for having us yeah we have levi and armand are back and another cast member holden is here how you doing holden doing pretty well thank you thanks for having me yeah thanks for joining us and uh, you have one other kind of senior staff, right? Helps out when he can, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a big group of, of cast members that all help out. But, you know, three of us, um, you know, Holden and Armand are pretty much my two primary guys that, that do a massive amount compared to everybody else. And I'm not degrading the work that everybody else does. It's just sure, these yeah. guys are here till late at night you know for a week before every single event you know every afternoon they're there so yeah deserve the position nice so yeah i thought it would be interesting to have you guys back on and hear how your season went um i was telling evan you know i think you guys have something unique out there um and it's really interesting to me so i'd like to hear more about it and yeah how many games were this season uh we do four games a year right now each one of them is a one-day event. Yeah, so I thought, you know, just see how this how this last season went as kind of a sure. smaller smallerish run game, and uh, yeah, I was just curious to hear about it. Like I said, I got to go out there. That was May, right? Your first event. Yeah, that yeah. was our first rainy event. <laughs> yeah. One of many. Yeah, one of many rainy. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was raining today, and I was think I always think about LARPing and whatever weather I'm in. You know, it's like. It's like, oh, this rain would suck to LARP in, or, oh, this little light drizzle would be nice, you know. Yeah, we, we had a pretty rain, rainy season for the summer at uh, Frontier Dawn as well. Yeah. I think I predicted the rain pretty good when I chose the event dates this, this year. <laughs> oh, and no, you were on the ball. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> but, hey, it's a post-apocalyptic game. It's not supposed to be That's right. bright and shiny. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nobody's comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So uh, before we kind of get into it, Holden, do you want to share a little bit about yourself, um, your LARPing background, or really anything you want to share yeah. since we didn't get to meet you last time? Yeah. Um, so my name's Holden, as we as we said. I've been doing LARPing for uh, only six years now, only at this event. Um, I started around the same time Armand did. We actually just had a conversation about that where we kind of missed each other in the beginning. Uh, but, you know, now we're senior cast together. Um, so, um, I do senior cast, um, small writing and, uh, a lot of 
prop des- or set design and set building is mainly what I focus on. Oh, that's cool. And how did you find out about Runes of Destiny? Um, through a mutual friend. Um, one of the other uh, casts we have and staff members introduced me to Levi. Um, and then I just fell in love with game and brought myself back after that. Nice. <laughs> Our origin stories are very similar. I think we did. yeah we we ended up coming we came up at around you know the same time and we had a a very similar trajectory just, to where we are now. We worked from cannon fodder up through small face rolls to today, really yeah. along the same track. Definitely, yeah. yeah, that's cool. No, it's nice to have uh, you know, you six years ago or however, um, you didn't even know each other, and now. Your uh, cast members together, and Levi's got you doing all kind of cool stuff. So that's one of the <laughs> yeah. cool things about LARPing. Definitely, absolutely. Cool. So give us a real quick overview. How how do how do you feel about this season? How to go? This, this is season is amazing. Six or seven or? Yeah, this is uh, six years now since we started, and we were just kind of talking about it. The first. You know, three years was was pretty much trying to uh, iron out um, rule system and 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 things like that. Second, the next two years was building a team to to make the game actually doable. Um, and then this year was really taking all the lore that I had written in notes and um, compiling it and really making it and into a reality i mean we had lore ahead of time and through all the rest of the years but having two other minds on it um i was able to really bring it together and uh a lot of the plot this year was um introducing kind of the ancient lore of of uh how this continent actually came to be uh why the factions uh were uh present on this continent um and uh, what happened at the beginning of the age, uh, you know, a couple of thousand years ago, um, and why everything fell into chaos and uh, and um, is now a post-apocalyptic world. So sure. this year was an incredibly rich year um, to give the players lots of hints and uh, sneak peeks into um, uh, the, the background of the world that they were playing in. It was, this was definitely our most, I almost want to say complete year or fulfilling year narratively, mm. emotionally. It had the most, depth. Com- yeah, the most, most kind depth of depth to, it, to it. It had the most complete arc and it really, it really had a big hand in kind of beginning to peel away the layers of the world. And there's a lot of stuff kind of coming down the pipe thanks to what we set in motion this year that will kind of shake the foundations of what a lot of the players believe of the world. And I'm really excited for where things have gone. It absolutely kicked up several notches. That's awesome. If you want, I can give you just an overview of our plot as quickly as possible. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I got nothing to do tonight. But uh, as uh, you know, Ashton, but nobody else does, it's a a conglomeration of, of lots of different factions of uh, role playing. I mean, we have the cyberpunk type of mm-hmm. group, and we have a steampunk type of group, um, and we even uh, you you were able to play from more of our medieval Viking uh, crowd there, and we've tried to compile it into a game 
um, that uh, is seamless in the way all these factions work together in a in a post apocalyptic fantasy world. Um, and so we were able to we were really focusing on well, why are all of these different groups uh, uh, so different? Um, why are they uh, why are they separated into different cities? And uh, so um, we we wrote some some plot at the beginning of the year, and we kept it a secret from even our cast members, and just slowly fed it out. And the way we did that was um, we had uh, um, our our cyberpunk uh, type of uh, faction come looking for this uh, technology uh, signature. And uh, so they were surveying all over the property, uh, all over the game site, looking for this signature that they picked up. And um, in doing so, we also had the uh, goodly folk of Adelberg, um, who are the, the knights and Viking type of group, uh, coming and, and trying to make an alliance with uh, the town of Destiny. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, of course, the, uh, the, the dark and the light collide right over the top of Destiny. And that set up our... Uh, uh, our uh, our fight back and forth, mm-hmm. and so throughout the year uh, we had this kind of combat back and forth on who will control the uh, the area of destiny from, um, and we had a we were able to have a a, a big fortress set up and uh, have a couple of siege battles, um, and we were able to um, kind of uh, come through and and create some puzzles as to uh, an ancient uh, society that was under the surface of the world. Uh, The Iraqans kind of unwittingly helped out the Destinites by bringing in some pieces of technology, and um, they were able to uh, decipher a puzzle that we laid out where they had to survey different locations throughout the, uh, the game site, and it eventually pointed to a hidden... Um, a sewer system, a hidden sewer system beneath the town of Destiny, where they uh, traversed and ended up finding a, uh, a collapsed, worked uh, passageway. Um, unfortunately, that passageway was um, was infested by a group of uh, twisted human beings, and um, and they had to ba- they had to find their way through this puzzle of getting by these creatures and yet clearing out the passageway. When they did this, they found a, a portal to another um, a, a, another room, a very ancient room. And uh, this room was protected by a multitude of traps, but uh, without any real treasure there on first glance. Um, but the room was covered in hieroglyphics. And uh, those those hieroglyphs, as, as strange as they were, uh, when the when our players took the time to look at them, they uncovered the deeper lore of the world. And so they were, um, we have uh, another group that, that another big advancement to our town of destiny is this uh, building that uh, looks kind of like a town hall that uh, we now call the Emporium. And that Emporium is kind of uh, in our non-magical post-apocalyptic world is kind of the mages guild of the town. Mm-hmm. And there, uh, that group was very pivotal into uh, pushing to find out this information and record this information uh, and bring it uh, out so that everybody has access to it. And so we were able to use this new uh, kind of group and faction 
to really uh, introduce the, the the need to pay attention to this lore um, okay. that this world is a lot deeper than uh, just crossing swords and just uh, surviving. There's something sure. underneath the surface. Mm, um, and so in pushing that, uh, you know, it, it, it made destiny, this little frontier town, something that was worth protecting, mm. um, something that was worth more than just the people's lives there. Um, and, uh, that, um, along with some alliance talks, uh, between some previous antagonists and, uh, Adelberg, um, kind of put destiny on the on the map of this world um and we ended up uh finally uh fighting the the main um pr- we call him the prime of Arakhtan, and our hero um of this year uh the prince of adelberg eli ended up falling to the prime and uh we we ended up having a a gigantic funeral and a funeral feast for him and uh so it was uh it was a sad moment uh we had a lot of tears um for this hero that had protected the town throughout the whole year and uh but however we had a lot of uh um amazing things happen and the fact that we had alliances we had lore come out um we had uh like i said we set up a gigantic feast where they actually got to go to the um the under the mountain great hall of adelberg and uh it was just uh, a time where we sat around and uh, and looked around, and we were in the world. Even us as cast members were there, even though we had built it. Um, so that's just a few, just just a quick overview of our whole year, and as fast as I can put it out. For <laughs> and you. even that is barely scratching. Yeah, yeah, that touch. We yeah. we. This is our pinnacle. I think yeah. we just said earlier is this. Yeah. This of six years that we've been here for all of us. This is by far the best season that Absolutely. we've put on. It, it stands out for me because this year was really set apart in the emotion that kind of existed mm-hmm. in in the plot. Because as Levi mentioned, we had this kind of emotional touchstone in the reoccurring character of the prince. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able to use that throughout the year as a way to kind of push the lore and the, the, the ever expanding story of the world because it became less about the town fighting off, um, you know, bandits and raiders and less about the town facing off against these factions. Mm-hmm. And it became this very intense story about, um, you know, it, it followed the, in the end, it ended up following the prince's, the prince's battle with, you know, the great enemy and how the players reacted to, his actions and how all of this kind of drew them even further into the history and the story of the world that they inhabit. Nice. Tears were shed at the funeral. Legitimate tears were drawn and it was amazing. (laughs) I am beyond ecstatic with how that all unfolded. Yeah. I mean, that's when you know you're doing something right. (laughs) Yeah. And that sounds really cool. Yeah. And that's what makes something an experience more memorable and meaningful. You know, if it's, reading a book, watching a movie, playing a game, uh, when it's not just like, oh, I'm trying to achieve this objective or get the loot, but it's, I'm feeling something and I connected with this character and I'm invested in what's going on and I'm reacting to it. 
in and mm. out of game and all that. So that's awesome. That's, yeah, a lot of the cast members, uh, you know, especially at the upper levels here, we're very invested in our characters. I mean, um, I'm more invested in some of my characters than I was in my player characters back when sure. I used to role play as a player. That's cool. Even though I know that they could die easier i mean just a stroke of the pen and my character my character will die um and uh you know you wonder sometimes if your players are that invested you know sometimes there's a lot of silliness that goes on and and you need that in a role play um you need the comedy relief and and things like that but sometimes you wonder if uh people are really um if they're really into the immersion that you're trying to provide for them um and uh, but we had a mindworm episode. Uh, I think you were there the first event uh, where they they all got their kind of will got a little bit taken over, and um, we wrath of con them. You know <laughs> they, that was uh, you know not something that you usually like to do in a role play. You usually want free choice and things like that. But once they were once their their loyalty, um, you know, really all we affected was their loyalty. And once their loyalty was taken over, they uh, they had to serve these these Arachtans. And we were curious to see how they would play this out if they were really going to be committed to the um, uh, to the immersion of it. And they right. were. I mean, they, they they played that opposite role a hundred percent, you know, um, and loved doing it. And uh, seeing them come out of being that and then saved by this 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 stereotypical prince in shining armor yeah yeah i mean uh you know it really came about in the end when he stood up against this evil force and fell Uh, when they thought he was going to be victorious um the type of emotion that exploded out of them uh i don't even think they expected it would have happened i mean they you see videos of the of the funeral and there's tears streaming down their faces and and they're they're taking their most cherished items and laying them at the at the gravesite of this fictional character when you when you see that you know that you hit a note somewhere um and and that was a really big accomplishment for for the three of us yeah the players oh, sorry the um the players absolutely deserve a massive you know a massive shout out and a massive hand because this this uh, season they really stepped it up as far as role playing, immersion, costuming. I think a lot of the older players have really kind of gotten in the swing of things, and a lot of our newer players are really eager and willing to throw themselves into the world, and it it absolutely showed this time around. Yeah. Any uh, any. When you want to point out or embarrass by coming in on our show, <laughs> oh, it's I mean, maybe not without their permission, but yeah, yeah, no, we will, no, no problem. Embarrassing sounds fine to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had a couple of uh, characters that you know weren't even older characters that just stepped up. That was really amazing. Um, you know, I. I'm gonna call out Josh because I feel like he needs to hear his name on yeah. the internet. But um, our our eternal drunken ex pirate gatekeeper uh, really stepped it up as far as his loyalty to the town, his desire to protect people, and also just general shenanigans and 
I, he's he's fallen deeply in step with how things are going. We now have we now have uh, thirty seven members of our of our role play, and I could I could probably say something out uh, for each and every one of them. Oh, absolutely. I I am not annoyed with a single one of our players. It's uh, and I've been in the it's games in the past where you just just don't want to interact with that person and none of our people are that way um and so we really it's just amazing that we we found a crowd like that i think that as uh i played prince eli i asked you know that but for all these games each one of these games i spent a large amount of time as prince eli and that allowed me to interact pretty much with every single one of our players personally Mm -hmm. in combat or in and downtime and I, like Levi said, I was impressed by their, their, how genuine they were with their role plays and how invested they were in Destiny itself. And having been here a while, I've seen them come pretty far. And that, that was really enjoyable for me this year. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I was talking to Evan again before the show a little bit about. <laughs> Well, we want to talk to you guys again, but I was saying, you know, you got something cool going on and it, I think is a large part of the community you've built, um, whether it's luck or <laughs> just somehow you structured the game and who it attracted. Um, yeah, it's great to hear people not only, uh, participating, enjoying it, but, you know, getting involved and kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say like doing LARP right, but I guess that's what I'm kind of getting at. Like, <laughs> Like all all those things, being invested, taking the time to be immersed and create a character and, and, and see it grow and, and all those things. So, yeah, we'll take it. We're glad you got a, a chance to see it because uh, yeah. we feel it's a, we feel it's a unique game. I've been to a lot of other games in the past and and very good games. I'm not you know I mean I really enjoyed every um, game that I've been to in the past, but uh, you know this is my baby and and I absolutely love. It. Very proud of it. But um, it's, uh, you know, I think one of the things that has really helped us out is we don't have an end in sight. Um, we're, we're taking it really tiny baby steps. I have no um, ability to invest large amounts of money into it. It's pretty much all out of pocket and all volunteer work. Um, and... But when we do decide to put some money into it, it's okay. What's going to last um, for a long period of time? What's going to um, make a big impact in us for the next three years? And then um, the other thing is, we don't. I, I know it sounds a little bit rough, but we have kind of a lottery system at this point because we don't want to increase our numbers uh, to where we have more players than cast members to support them. Um, we 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 try to keep a really close balance on cast members, and I mean, when I say a cast member, not just somebody who, you know, wants to play for a day and then doesn't really like our cast members. Pretty much every single one of our cast members has to get involved, mm-hmm. and um, once they do, they get emotionally committed to it. And so, if we don't have those emotionally committed people to support the players, um then we can't have more players come in. So we have we have a very close ratio of cast members to players, and that allows a lot of our players to get attention every single time. 
Um, and, uh, you know, the, a lot of the factions, if we try a faction out, um, if we try to bring something out that we don't get responses to, it's about the players. So that usually doesn't end up take hold. Right. So I think that those little points have, have really made for a close-knit uh, group of people. Yeah, and I could say even just coming that one time that, I don't know, it was like a different experience NPCing or casting. Um, like, I've had a lot of fun NPCing in our game, but this was, um, I don't know, it was like as close to being a player as you could and not be a player. Mm, um, yeah, like yeah. you're saying, because you have these, you had very, um, you know, specific kind of guidelines for roles and look and motivations for the different factions and then not only that but the different kind of units of those factions uh so it yeah. made it kind of at least for me easy to like jump into a role and sort of know what was what was supposed to happen um yeah. and it was kind of like there was a lot of um i don't know like free roam or like we were kind of given a this is what we need you to do out there go ahead and do it and we would just do it until we interacted with somebody you know and sometimes we'd interact with other cast members playing a different factions we kind of had to play that off in case a cast you know a player showed up but it almost was its own game like i don't know it was it, was, it seemed different like like because we didn't really know what was going to happen and we wanted to like you know ad lib or play these roles as we thought best um but anyway it was like i think you had said you know like people get on cast they don't want to leave because it's just as much fun you know? <laughs> And you get kind well, of the get, experience of playing different characters and stuff, which I, I like also. You got a little bit less choice, free free will in cast, but you get ultimate power. <laughs> and you have ultimate power and robot suits, no, which yeah, isn't isn't one hundred percent true. I mean, we definitely we don't throw we don't throw juggernauts out there at all. Um, all, all the time. I mean, we do throw juggernauts. There is a couple of juggernauts that we throw out, but but the basic, the typical cast member that goes out um, is can be killed, uh, mm -hmm. can killed very easily. Um, and you know, uh, I want that cast member to feel like they're playing a mini player character. Um, and a lot of times, that's the way our NPCs develop uh yeah. a lot of the npc roles started out as a generic mm -hmm. um cast role that had no name um and you know we have all our costume bins and it's like go grab some costumes and put it on and somebody's like oh i really like this costume i really like the way it makes me feel yeah and they'll go out and so what's your name uh <laughs> <laughs> i gotta come up with a name on a spot and then all of a sudden this this character spontaneously gets created and the cast member says uh you know i don't want to give him up like can i make him mm -hmm. a face roll uh, and, and there's yet another uh, uh, another face on the on the map again so. we we have had a great many um <clears throat> now well-established face roles be kind of cemented by the will of the players um <laughs> because they will they will latch on to certain characters mm -hmm. And I know I have had, I know a couple other cast members have had characters that were, you know, we go out there to fill time or we go out as just gags. We are one-off characters with gag. one shtick <laughs> who goes out to be entertaining for five minutes while Levi is putting on a big costume or something. And the players demand to see them every game. 
<laughs> and I don't know what to do with the character. He doesn't have any motivation. Sometimes but, you'd wish they'd die, yeah. and they won't. But yeah, sometimes they're just the worst person on earth, but they're loved. Oh, yeah, we we have we've had multiple characters that we've gone out and written their deaths. <laughs> and the players have just brought them back to life with they've they've put every single bit of resources out there in order to back to life and and just you know and yet we had a character this this game uh we called him the zealot um there's lots of zealots in the game it's a class of of the Arachtans, but um you know they're all cybernetic uh kind of uh darth vadery type of of guys and um this guy went out and he ended up enacting the, the mind worm and he was supposed to be the antagonist for the entire game. Well, they said, no, he's dying. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they, they decided him, yeah. to, they murdered him. They, they murdered, just, they, they, they murdered his reanimated yeah, they corpse in a later game. In, they did not like this they guy. They chased me into like the, we have ruins and they dropped a pillar on my head. <laughs> it was the most intense bloodlust I've ever seen in players and they killed me. A lot. And that <laughs> was, there was a lot of death. And that was the second game. This yeah, was a character yeah. that was supposed to last for four games. And so then we got back together at the uh, between game number two and three and said, okay, we just lost our main antagonist. <laughs> back to the drawing board, <laughs> you know. And, that, you know, none of our costumes are, you know, just throw on something simple. It's, it's like a good, you know, two-week build for sure. each one of our, our guys. Yeah. And so it's like, well we're going to have to come up with a way to reuse parts and pieces of that costume. So we, uh, Armand made an exposed brain and we brought him back as a zombie for our final battle of the year. And it was uh, awesome. <laughs> so, uh, but that's just an example of, uh, you know, we listen to our players and our players define a massive amount of our, our game, you know, and to, to keep the thread of influencing the game going that, um, that unexpected death by violent murder mob was uh, that actually led to a completely unplanned, completely kind of off the cuff event, which really ended up shaping a massive amount of lore for the world because we decided for the next game, instead of pushing that same faction, we were going to draw back and bring back some, some other antagonists. And we, we kind of oh the five yeah no yeah. the um oh. you had in front oh, right. we, we got uh, we right. got together and we kind of just spitballed some ideas and one of the ideas was well one of the old factions has had kind of a they had like a schism so now there's there's two groups inside of that faction and one group wants to do a peace tree and it became this this whole long kind of complicated political thing hmm. and the players arranged a peace treaty. We did all this pomp and circumstance. We were able to try political scrolls. assassinations. That was great. It was amazing. It and worked. it <laughs> did technically work. Yes. It absolutely worked. I got to play an yeah. old man. It was great. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. But that was completely brought about by the fact that the players went so far off the book that we intended and just kind of brought brought a big part of the game crashing down and well, it led to this amazing at the end of our season thing. we saw that same yeah. sort of drive to change the yeah. course of history for them because when when the prince yeah. was killed by the prime they were they were actually given an in-game command uh to get knocked down and pushed back before we played into um a scene that we had set up before of me 
becoming impaled and we had the big this big dramatic setup where i would be lifted up onto a flagpole and dropped into the ground so i would be actually lifted in the air and impaled. Oh, it was a it was an awesome setup it was gonna be an awesome, awesome setup. visual and the players saw me take get stabbed and they ignored in-game commands <laughs> and actually mobbed the prime unit <laughs> they, to stop they were death. so intent that, that it was what, they just knew no yeah. no brain function. They yeah. were just so invested in the story to keep me alive. They, they were just watching. Rushed it. They were watching that whole fight in slow motion. They the minute Levi grabbed that pole, they knew exactly what was happening. And we and they in they were insistent that it not happen. We there's nothing we could do. We ran with it, but yeah. it turned into one of the most dramatic and most intense moments of uh, the game that we had Next seen. Next time year. we use barbed wire to get yeah. them back. Yeah, we, we have to. <laughs> wire and offense. We can't. Yeah, was, they were all over you. That's crazy. what we get for planning dramatic, over the top cutscenes. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. A barrier you can see through but can't get through. That's like the, the dramatic, like, no, you know. But you actually keep them at bay. At one point, I think it was when after I came to play and we talked about it on the podcast. I was like, oh, man, I was like, those those players must. I hope they know how lucky they are to be playing a game that that's cool and has a staff that that's doing that kind of work. But it sounds like you guys are just as lucky to have <laughs> a player base that doesn't listen and <laughs> gets so into it and uh, it really becomes part of the world, you know, keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Never a dull moment. Never. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing gets the creative juices flowing like knowing your players are just going to trample through everything <laughs> you so carefully laid out for them. Sure. But, but, but in a way that's like in-game and like appropriate, not like... It's never it's never done maliciously. Right. It's never done in through kind of any, any objectionable means. It's just a combination of excitement and occasional stupidity <laughs> that causes them to miss obvious things... And fall into traps and completely miss signs. You know, you know, uh, yeah, it you, you count on it after. Yeah, that. we yeah, expect definitely. it. Sure, yeah. I think one of our major modules that we did that uh, I'd like to mention is uh, we ended up doing a trap module um, that I, I just I'm so proud of. We uh, we put them through a portal and uh, they had to go through stepping stones over an acid bath. Um, dodge swinging uh, blades, um, dodge line traps and popper traps. We had a door that swung in with spikes on it, and uh, we had your your typical like Indiana Jones uh, slowly compacting wall that they had to unscrew um, a grate uh, with big bolts on it in order to. To, to get it open quickly enough to not be impaled and squished by a by a, a slowly moving wall of doom and then once they finally got into this into this uh, spider infested uh, great room we had um, we had uh, computer generated uh, um, people from their past that came out and to in order to protect this uh, this source of, of energy. Um, that was behind a great uh, iron wall or iron door. And uh, this thing, people 
thought they were going to die in this thing. I mean, it, it just, the amount of ca- caution, I mean, everything was 100% safe. Everything was foam. Everything was everything. But they literally were terrified for their life going through this thing. I guess it did, didn't help that we fried somebody in the acid pool. Yeah, we, right in front of them. yeah about 30 so. seconds in, we dropped a cast member straight into the, the large pool we had created. And he died a horrible screaming death, but it really set the tone, and I think it worked very well. And a half of him screaming. Yeah, no, he went on for a while. (laughs) It was that's one of those modules that it took us easily more than a week in prep and setup and trying to do math for making the blades swing and figuring out how to put blocks to step on across the acid pool, and it got you know an hour's worth of use at best, and it was (laughs) amazing. was yeah. beyond memorable and I would never I wouldn't have traded that but for But what you see is what you get. Yeah. Here if you if you are going down an underground passageway with swinging blades of doom that's exactly what you see. You see an underground passageway with big gigantic metal blades swinging in front of you. Um and that's really the type of uh, we rely a lot on that type of immersion and I think is our major stress is we put in we put in at at the very least eight (laughs) afternoons from six o'clock till we can't work anymore for every one game um building sets Mm. um plus the weekends and it's stupid (laughs) yeah nobody should do this absolutely nobody should do this (laughs) but <laughs> it's it's a blast, and what it uh, does is, I mean, after you've worked your day job, and you start working on this imaginary world that really means nothing, and you're you get like a, a group of people that do this all throughout the summer and volunteer their time, you really get knit together as as a one creative unit. Um, it couldn't happen just by my own creativity. I mean, it's just amazing to see this um, this happen, um, and it's well worth it in the end. I say it's, it it's stupid, but uh, the type of camaraderie that we we ended up we end up developing is is just awesome. There's um, there's also something really amazing creatively about um, the about the process of making the world because a lot of what we have we don't necessarily blueprinted out we don't necessarily um you know plan thoroughly i mean levi has all this in his head but and i know holden can back me up a lot of the time when we start working on modules or buildings it kind of starts out with well you know we'll build here we'll measure out this far and we'll start putting up posts and (laughs) and walls and you just kind of take it on faith that we've done this enough and when we get this together, we know it'll look amazing. And, you know, you spend two evenings hammering stakes into the ground. And then on the third, you put up 12 foot high, uh, definitely yeah. like throne room ceilings. And you realize you've constructed a literal house in the world where you will hold a feast. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it's like freehand yeah. construction. You're it's building this. Off the seat of your pants. Our final great hall. It was, it took place underneath a mountain um and an ancient ruins underneath a mountain uh we had pillars and a throne room and hallways uh we had a panorama of it was actually a panorama of machu picchu uh, <laughs> looking out over machu picchu uh, and we it was a, a 15 foot long 
uh, panorama, like real size panorama. That was the, we covered it up so it didn't look exactly like Machu Picchu, but that was the view from the top of the mountain looking out over the, uh, over Machu Picchu ruins. <laughs> um, and by the time we were done with this thing, it was almost 2,000 square feet of black plastic module. I mean, it was, we, got, we had somebody take a picture of it from above. And it's just this sea of black plastic, you know, it's just what our, our cat, like, we're not a big game. We're, we're a pretty small game. We have, you know, typically we'll have, we'll be happy. We'll be lucky if we get seven people to show up for our builds. Yeah. And it's just, we, we, we stopped and looked at it and been like, did we really do that? Like, yeah. <laughs> it was it was the... We must all have mind worms or something. Oh, God, yes. no, I think we're <laughs> it was the most impressive module we've made. Wow. Like, yeah, it, it, it inspired the yeah. cast to the point yeah. where we had a role-playing moment with no <laughs> yeah. players no in the room. <laughs> all the players yeah. left and the cast carried just, on yeah. for probably five minutes yeah. of just dissertation and drama and yeah. acting. It was... That was and there were the tears. moment we yeah. had made it. Yeah, it was there amazing. were tears. And when you've when you've got 37 people sitting at these long banquet tables and you know some someone's playing music and there's people jousting and you know sword fighting and the for entertainment it <laughs> it felt the most kind of out of this world we've ever done it was really it was amazing it was like a truly awe-inspiring moment and we just kind of kept looking at each other from across the room and mouthing like <laughs> I cannot believe we've done this. <laughs> Why did we do this? For this very exactly for that one we made it for that one moment. Now next year we have to top it. Yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, right. That's a good, good segue. What? Uh, how are you going to top that? Um, good question. Yeah, <laughs> we have we we don't want to give away anything for players sure. that might listen to it, but uh, we've set up a lot of plot lines. Yeah. Um, Right now, we have some really good strains. Um, the source is still a big mystery out there. Yep. They made it to this, uh, I should say, a bronze doorway uh, deep beneath the earth. Um, they know that it's some sort of energy source. If one of the darker factions of the world gets a hold of it, um, then life will be very that tough. For yeah. um, and so that's a big plot line right there. We also uncovered the mystery of, well, started to uncover the mystery of, of why are there people? Um, really, why are there people on this continent? And uh, nobody's nobody in the player base has really asked that question. They just assumed we're all survivors of, a, of an apocalypse. But really, any group, any society, uh, in reality or not, has to eventually come up against the question of why are we here? Um, and so we started seeding those those deeper uh, philosophical questions, um, and then uh, we also, uh, you know, started building alliances with previous um, um, antagonists, um, the United Front, which are a very Asian uh, type of group who was very much uh, involved with with uh, slavery and, uh, and a lot of bigotry against anybody who was a mutant or, um, or enhanced in any way, shape or form. Uh, their power is the power of man. Uh, so they're, 
they're uh, involved in training themselves so some of the best hand-to-hand warriors uh, and and sword play uh, experts in, in the entire continent and um, and their military uh, enacted a coup against the council of the four winds and uh, and the the four winds have come and uh, asked for an alliance with Adelberg and decided to uh, relinquish their um, more distasteful practices of slavery and, and oppression. Uh, and so you're seeing the beginning of the reunification of the entire continent right there, um, which that's a major hint right there for our lore, uh, in the future is, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing some of the first steps to, uh, bringing back, um, balance to, uh, uh to the world. So that's, you know, our players, anybody who hears that will should be able to take that and run a little bit. We've also introduced a lot of shady uh, sides. Uh, we, we're we not solely a good guy game, although good, good will out- win over evil in our game. However, uh, we have some orders such as the Velvet Order, who are, is kind of our, our uh, dark underground. And uh, we're beginning to see some, some of our members uh, who are secretly involved in them. Uh, to be in very high places all of a sudden, you know, and uh, they're getting more powerful. And then we have the Emporium that I mentioned earlier uh, that is overnight uh, became an actual force where people just gravitated to that, uh, uh, people that wanted to search out information, um, you know, that we're going to take that uh, to a whole nother level too because people are really wanting that mage-like experience uh to go further and so we're gonna we're gonna provide that as well uh we want to start bringing about things like legendary items um or ways that players can enhance um their weapons enhance their armor um and and build up their characters because we want a player to be able to uh eventually attain uh, a juggernaut them you know we want our fighter to be able to get to that point where they they may have they may consume an energy source uh, over a period of time in order to get that way but without magic in our game we have to explain everything we have to have them build everything we have to have a physical representation for everything and so they literally have to go out and find components and build mm-hmm. that power armor they need to if they want to be a juggernaut or if they want to be a chemist and and actually fight they have to uncover the information and the scientific knowledge in order to um, be genetically modify themselves or so on and so forth so that's something that i think we're going to be focusing on a lot this coming year is instead of um instead of building up uh, the factions but build up the ability for the players to start enhancing themselves more so they can fight even stronger bad guys and attract even more yeah. powerful enemies. There's, <laughs> you know, there's, there's some stuff on the horizon that is uh, truly terrifying, and I cannot wait. <laughs> there you go. I got to see Prime this year, and, yeah. and he was uh, he was even unfinished at this point. Yeah. So he, you know, he and he was he's going to be our big bad guy for probably the next two or three years. Yeah. Evan, anything? I had something I was going to bring up, and now it escapes me when I started thinking about legendary items and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it does get distracting. 
Yeah. Yeah. We have stuff in the world that is um, kind of making its way to that status. Things we've just, we haven't specified yet what they do mm. or why they're supporting. But there are certain items that ha- are being bandied around right now by some players and some yep. cast that are acknowledged to be, you know, this is very important. Hold on to this. Some shady people want this. <laughs> yeah. And we have items that um, have been used in past games, and they're pretty much useless at this point in time. They don't really have a use, but they are still legendary items, and now their value as a collector's value. I mean, we've been around mm. for six years now, so mm. there's like... Um, there's like a desire for collectibles too. Uh, some of these things that have been around, um, and so that's interesting when you have players that recognize it. Uh, the Prince Eli um, was seen forging, like he went out and actually forged this explosive device and uh, put it together, and um, it was uh, vinegar bombs um, all put on a shaft so that I think it was twelve vinegar bombs yep. would explode all at once. Um, into the Prime's chest, and he kind of went out and bear-hugged the Prime with this thing, and it was quite an explosion. You can see it on Instagram. Um, And uh, so um, this item is now completely exploded, and it's just a shaft with a handle on it. Well, the players kept that shaft uh, with a handle on it and put it into in under lock and key in the uh in the store uh, <laughs> because <laughs> yes it is oh it is now a legendary wow. item um we have to be very careful on what name we give it yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah i was mm-hmm. gonna say that and i was Go like keep your mouth shut <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah the players the players i think have begun to take cues from video games and are beginning yeah. to uh find potential value in looting you know big bads or important seeming characters like they'll they'll do the standard search and then they'll kind of look you over and be like can i can i take the hat can i take that glove? Can I anything that looks of any value or any importance, they will try to take for themselves you definitely have to when you're a cast member you have yeah. to check yourself to make sure one <laughs> person is not using yeah. the same thing over and over because yeah. the players will begin to assume it's important yeah. they 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 are blind to some things but they will notice patterns in the smallest like in the most obscure places yeah, if they're we, looking for it now that we know this we yeah. can see it it's obviously going to we're using yeah. it to to establish people and characters yeah. and it's nice to have right. a, uh, players that are looking sharp for stuff yeah well, plus i started this game and some of these players were 15 years old that's true and and now they're you know in their early sure, 20s, the 20s yeah and so just the mentality difference, you know, now it's, it's more than, you know, when you're a 15 year old and you get a, you, you've never had a padded weapon in your hand and all of a sudden you, you get thrown into like this, this world where you can hit things. I mean, that's all you think about is I can go out and hit things. Right. So and you won't get much further than that, but come on. That's all you think about for the first couple of years. Yeah. And then uh, you start thinking, well, how can I hit things better? You know, and so you start developing your character and then, well, I want to look cool while I hit things better. And so you start developing your costume. Well, now those players are are thinking, well, how do I fit into this world? Uh, You know, now I look cool. I can hit things. And how what's my place in this world? And so 
that's very cool for me because I'm actually seeing the development of what you would actually see a player in the a, a person in this post-apocalyptic world go through. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, we're also seeing the development of this little town that started out with nothing but one room, yeah. and yeah. we keep adding and adding and adding. So now there's houses, there's a kind of a town hall, there's there's walls that have been built up, and the players have had a hand in building a lot of these things and uh, and making the decisions on where things are go. They 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 now we now have an online chat. And uh, that it, we have one that's in game and one that's out of game, and, and the in game one, one of the last things that was uh, that was discussed in that tavern was they they want to start putting uh, mining stones and and cutting down trees to make more um, uh, more structures and uh, more defensible positions and things like that. So yeah. it shows you that the change in the mentality of the players. It's no longer just going out and hitting things and getting loot. Now it's like they have an investment in the place. You know, they want to take their resources and make sure that this little town of destiny stays there. And that's pretty cool. As as their interest and investment grows and as they become more kind of a part of the world, we've been definitely pushing to make a lot of the functions of the world very player oriented and player run. We want there to kind of be a self sustaining economy. We've uh, in the past year or so we pushed to make the like the government of the town completely player run we had a uh, for many many years we had a cast mayor who would um who was indispensable in you know pushing them in the right direction and getting them out on on missions and kind of feeding them the story of the world as they all came to grips with it but we've kind of left the left uh, the elections and appointments in their hands we introduced houses this year which to kind of see how they would react and they they absolutely took to that they've been renting these little pallet structures and putting things in there and living in them during the game <laughs> and then we burn yeah. them down and then we burn them down <laughs> um wow. oh it was amazing yeah. there was, but yeah, there, we had a political coup actually last game we like midway through the last game. I think it was revolt. Yeah. I don't know. It was coup. revolt. It was yeah. revolt. There was kind of an on, the. It was the oncoming storm moment where everyone's gathering together for the final battle, and someone decides that the mayor is not doing a good job. He wasn't, but he's not doing a good job. So about half the town, uh, completely stages political revolution. We, there's an election held. They instate a new mayor. And then immediately walls of death crash against the town. Yeah. But it was seeing that happen, seeing them take into their own hands kind of the direction of their, you know, fictional, but to them still real politics and the, just the way that they're being governed, the way they lived, seeing them so invested and taking that into, uh, into consideration was really very exciting it was fun it was a confidence booster for us too that we could kind of hand them stuff it was it it would be responsible with it i mean we had to go out kind of as mediators because stuff as with mediated thing you were an antagonist okay yeah you made it more complicated i went out to poke them with a stick (laughs) you tried to tie one of the candidate's shoes shoelaces together Standing up in the air. (laughs) Yeah, but in fairness. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, no, I guess I guess the roundabout point there is um it's a very heartening experience seeing them that invested. And I'm glad to have seen it. 
Fantastic. Jeez. It's worth eight hours. <laughs> yep. <Is> that... <laughs> the feast alone would have been worth the eight-hour trip. Oh, right, all right, yes. Uh, I've been, I'm thinking, I'm like, well, we come up, stay for the weekend, maybe. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I, oh, they're absolutely. close together, so at least we can carpool or... Got to be some form of mass transportation to go up there. Looks <laughs> like the shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> <We can> drive. <laughs> or how about this? Ruins of Destiny West. Or oh, something, yeah, Ruins of something else oh, will God. be the first, uh, what do you call that, satellite location or franchise. <laughs> wow. Or, like something else. Crossover. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's like the Avengers, man. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, I'd love to hear more. Um, but I also keep it in mind to try to keep these relatively short, which you know, we could, <laughs> I know, which is weird. It's like I have a total control of the episode to keep it as long as I want, I guess, but um, I'm looking at a sheet right here with just we've just written, like jotted stuff down. Um, we've got uh, mind worms, brain surgery, ninjas. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> evil cave ghosts. It's there's a long list of just things that happen. We cram a lot into one day mm-hmm. game, and as fun as it is, it feels like years. Yeah, that's awesome. Again, a, a sort of not at least personally not been my LARP experience the um <clears throat> I don't know the I don't use jam packed but <laughs> the uh rapid fire almost of it like again cuz you're you're just working with one day you don't have a whole weekend um so you keep things at least my experience when I went the one day you know keep things moving and um yeah pack a lot in make it memorable and worthwhile for the one day that you're there you know um yeah, we want people to not be able to move the next day. Basically. Yeah. You know? yeah, we don't move very well. The next yeah, day. no, it, it is it definitely like that day that you came. Like I, I was actually feeling like it was chaotic, um, and it is chaotic. But that day didn't run as smooth as some of the other days did, um, and and we didn't pack in as much as we we did on some of the consecutive games. But uh, I'm glad you had that experience. Um, totally. It, that's what we try to do is is keep one thing going. Um, I mean, it, you know, I've played some um, big games where um, the cast wasn't quite the level to the players, and what ended up happening for me is I would run from one end of the field to get to the interaction, and I would get there and it would be over, and I'd hear the 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 boffers slapping at the other end of the field and so i'd turn around trot to the other end of the field and it would be over (laughs) and i would then go into the tavern just to see the fiends or whatever exiting uh with the weapons on their heads and it just got so frustrating for me sometime to try to keep up to the action um we tried to split up um have especially having senior cast members we try to split up those heads and have them run different areas through the whole world so um there are multiple things going on right all throughout the world and so that might have been some of it that felt like there was something going on at all times like 
not all the ca- the cast members definitely get certain periods where they can they can rest at, at some points in time but uh that's really what we're trying to do is is all of those things are not happening in one location we're trying to throw something out at one end of the field one down in a in another section of the map one right at the tavern uh we're trying to have a merchant on uh, in the world at, at some point in time throughout the whole day and so that i guess a lot of stuff that i try to put in is stuff that i couldn't stand um, when I was a player in, in other places, it, but it takes a lot of work to get that working. Um, and it, it takes a lot of energy. And if we didn't have so much energy in the cast group, I mean, it wouldn't be able to happen. If you don't have somebody that's coming and thinking, I am going to be exhausted for the next two days after this. If they, you know, and we've had a couple of people come and they think they're just going to play around. And it's just, it is the most exhausting thing that that you will ever do you know and um and then they come back so (laughs) (laughs) those are the keepers we always write stuff whenever we whenever we do kind of the the play the layout of a game we always in our heads have this idea like oh and then we'll this this span of time will be for you know open worlds the players can go out and just interact and we'll populate the world. But things always just kind of naturally happen, regardless of whether or not we we want to have this peaceful time or not. A couple, you know, some some more enterprising players will spur like spawn some kind of mini plot for themselves or a character grow up will go out and just naturally develop some kind of story around himself. It with all the best intentions of saying, and now we'll have some downtime for the players to Sure. Just kind of feel out the world. Things are always happening, and I, I like the way that it goes. It's a very natural. It's a very natural progression throughout the day. It definitely having the the nine hours or, or the nine and a half hours, whatever time we have. Um, oh, it's more than that. I, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it's twelve hours. Yeah, it's just about twelve hours when we yeah. wrap it up. But having just that time period, I think. For me personally, when when I see it on a schedule, and I know what we're starting with, and I know where we're trying to get to in a game and in a season as well, having played the same character and having his origin story and his his final point all in the same season, it actually streamlined the process for a cast member. I didn't have to worry about maybe what was coming next as much because we had a plan that we were headed forward, and and if not if not all, most of the the cast members knew what we were pushing into. And so I think uh, just getting a daily schedule as well as a yearly schedule helped us really move forward pretty pretty effectively. That probably helped out with that feeling that you felt, Ashton, where you were almost just feeling like a player, um, you know, because it was just a, it was, you know, just almost biological the way you could just go out and you are mm-hmm. were in the world. You had some goals, you had some some plans but other than that it was all spontaneous really right yeah mm. <laughs> yeah and it's definitely probably uh well it's probably like a i don't know style or you know how you like to play um but it definitely jived with me you know um just that sort of gameplay style and and that kind of game and world and immersion so yeah, yeah, glad so you loved it. Yeah, no, I like I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and 
you know, the character creation process is probably one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. Mm And, uh, (laughs) just kind of showing up to that day and making up like four or five different characters was, was a lot of fun. Like the first guy I played, I think never showed up again, but I just (laughs) got to use some pieces. I had, I kind of had laying around that I haven't used and it was fun. Mm -hmm. We just, uh, increased our costume. Our costume cache is now twice as large as it was was when you came whoa <laughs> it was it, impressive then yeah uh we just by the end of the year i was having some problems what am i going to how am i going to put all this stuff away because we have to put it away in cold storage and mouse proof containers and stuff right you know all of these things that people don't even realize goes with with owning a larp like so where do you put your costumes like right. how do you keep them fresh how do you do, you know, and trust me, there's by the time a game is over, they are not fresh, <laughs> you know, <they're, laughs> so like, how do you deal with all of the mechanics? You know, you got mm-hmm. stuff that freezes, you know, we live in the Northeast here, stuff freezes solid. Right. You just, we've just collected up a massive amount of paint. What do you do? You know, all of these things that when I first thought, oh, I'm going to start a LARP. Yeah, that's a great idea. And then, uh, you know, you realize, oh, yeah, I don't even have I don't have a barn. I don't have a shed. I don't have anything to do that. How are we going to do that? So those are a lot of aspects that somebody who's trying to think of starting up a game, they need to think about. They need to go through that that conceptualizing, you know, because it's a big challenge. That's which, which is why we don't do winter events. We tried a winter event once, and it was miserable. I mean, just the setting up and taking down where things were freezing, um, the duct tape weapons that we use, we I, we really don't favor um, latex weapons. The duct tape weapons we use, they were getting hard in the cold weather. Um, things just doesn't work right in winter weather. And uh, I've been to some games in the past that... They're a lot less module orientated. They were at boys and girls camps or, or stuff like that, where a lot of the things were already set up there, and really all they needed is their mask bins and you know a weapons rack and stuff like that. And that seemed like it would be a lot simpler to do during cold weather, but with the massive amount of mechanics that we have and and module building that we go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see any winter games happening in the future. And of course, all the planning in the world can't, that doesn't take into account when things just naturally go wrong. I mean, between our uh, our initial setup this year, May, the weather was so bad, we, oh, yeah. we had to keep pushing our, our build dates. So we were we were up there setting up just the basic world, you know, the night before game. And there was, mm-hmm. after the first game, all the costume bins got wet, so we had yeah. to take a whole work day to just Hang everything out to dry, yeah, launder it. Room. It was black plastic yeah. roofs yep. collapsed. Um, you know mm. things like that. Walls blew yeah. away. It, it doesn't. Yeah, we had yeah. we had one of our foam <laughs> walls blow seventy five feet up in the air as we're watching it in a yeah. in a downpour near yeah. tornado. It doesn't sound like much, but when you realize you've lost an entire workday because of mundane repair. Mm. it it does hurt intimidating yeah we did do a couple of new things i saw on your list okay. you were one um i already spoke about the emporium that was a big addition uh having a, kind of a town center was a big deal this year uh we did a lot of those cabins this year um in actuality there's some 
uh, skill resets that happen if somebody, quote, sleeps in the cabin or stays a certain amount of time in the cabin. Um, there, we already mentioned the, the new costumes. And then the other thing we decided is we want to see people use their skills. Uh, we don't want people hoarding their skills. What we would get is the player would have their skill and they only have one day to use them. It's not a three-day event. They only have one day to use them, so I figured, well, that means that they're just going to use them right up. Well, they would hoard their skills, and by the end of the day, they, would, they wouldn't they would have used a single one. Sure. And so what that uh, made us do as cast members is we now couldn't use any skills hmm. because we go out there swinging slay, swinging disarm, swinging whatever against a bunch of players who are not using their skills. Well, that's that's miserable. You know, that we our, our job is not to wipe out the players, but it's to make the players feel fear, you know, not actually get wiped out. And so uh, what we did is we have two meals throughout the day and uh, we have a lunch and we have a dinner and uh, they're pretty much at the two ends of the day. And we said, well, every time you sit down for a meal, your body is revitalized and your skills are restored. So at our two called meals, and we actually call the meal, um, uh, that was for some debate where, where would we just have a allow people to get food when they wanted to, or would we have an actual called meal? And I think it works best. Sure. You know, and there's a lot of discussion uh, about that. You know, there's a lot of different opinions with uh, NPCs and cast members about that in the LARP community that I've heard of. Uh, good, good. Um, arguments for both sides, but uh, we decided to go with a called meal. And I actually, um, we we were giving the players a vote on whether or not they wanted an in-game meal or an out-of-game meal. I prefer an in-game meal personally, but sometimes the players wanted to have that um, that dinner time to like. Mm-hmm. get their brain back together you know yeah, and so that was brain. one thing that we that we kind of started solidifying is uh the skill reset uh during a meal and what we and and the vote on that um and uh back to the skill reset i kind of bunny trail a little bit on that but um the uh the skill reset what we ended up seeing was they would now go back over their skills during the meal and they would remember to use them. Mm-hmm. And what that allowed us as cast members to do is it allowed us to use them. And so we have about about 105 skills to the game. Yeah. Uh, we have four different classes and about 105 skills. We just added about five different ones this year. Um, and uh, there's a lot of skills that are never heard of in game. And if your cast members can't introduce how to do them, um, or make the call, then in, in four years' time, people had no idea what the skill even did. And so now with uh, having the players being able to use the skills and, and come up against the things that the cast do, it's now greatly increased uh, the knowledge and the familiarity with, with skills. And so that was a really good choice we made, is to give the players more access to their skills, um, to have often and so they weren't hoarding them it, it just had a uh, kind of a domino a positive domino effect all the way through allowed more of those uh like a hero moment i think to mm-hmm. people which is what i think the skills allow for 
is uh, maybe in a desperate situation, somebody can throw a skill to save someone else and definitely allows that like a, a brief role play with, on a cast member to take the skill and, and go down and, and have that person get that shot of adrenaline of, oh, I just saved somebody or, oh, I just saved my own life or, yeah. you know, that, that sort of push. 110-pound girl can pick up a lug and toss yeah, Exactly, to yeah. You know, the, the moment of superpower, <laughs> superhero yeah. strength. And, Which... Yeah, it's it makes the encounters more interesting because now mm-hmm. there there was especially for many years there was you kind of knew going out well I'm going out as a raider so I I'm not worried about you know taking some serious damage or anything in this fight because they're going to be saving it because they they know the the game does follow you know a bit of a a bit of a formulaic plot and they know that at the end of the day there's going to be something whether it's a big bad it's some kind of field fight it's some kind of mm-hmm dramatic ending because we we love to end with a bang so they out of either fear or logic they would always kind of you know store up for that and you could you could almost kind of predict in what scenarios they were going to throw skills and now Mm -hmm. they're so much more willing to get involved in the you know the combat that way it's it's very freeing you brought up something else to me uh another thing we tried this this year is we were finding that we were doing the big bang ending every time. Mm-hmm. And we tried a couple of events where we pulled back the big bang ending to, you know, we end around uh, 9:30 ish, something around in there at night. And uh, we pulled back our ending battle to about six o'clock uh, and it would run till like seven thirty or something like that. And then we stopped and we gave uh, that last hour, hour and a half for small encounters. Mm -hmm. And we started putting out like ninjas at night or something or stealthy encounters or or things that uh, one or two players could kind of team up and handle. Um, And what we found out happened is those players would get together and do in-game interactions and kind of finish up their day and they were able to remember more about what happened throughout the day because they were able to kind of have this slow finish to where instead of it just being all hyped up um they could interact with one another they could remake connections it wasn't in the midst of combat um and there was a little bit more comedy we found involved there was a lot more um and there was also some more fear. Uh, rather than having the gigantic bad guy come stomping across the field that everybody saw, having those very fast, stealthy encounters uh, or those unexpected small size encounters, it kept people um, almost more entertained mm-hmm. than having that big. So I think that's something that we're going to continue with a little bit more is, is that two hour, hour and a half period at the end of a game uh, kind of dial it down to a different uh, style of action that's awesome yeah i do remember uh i think it was the last thing that i did the day i came we were um i don't remember what you called your zombie type character but uh, that's what i played and it's a lot of fun because uh they had like they have like a three respawns or something like that and so you just lay there and count for 30 seconds a minute or whatever 
And I would just wait until somebody walked by and 100% of the time I would just scare the crap out of somebody like, and I did land there for like, they took me down and the person who took me down, I would jump up. And, <laughs> and it was such so a fun. wonderful yeah. feeling. Yeah. So they are, that's a surefire way to like end the day. It's just, it's mm-hmm. the most exciting slow way of wrapping up the day yeah. is with terror zombies and we had uh, other cast members were like raiders also and they were just like <laughs> oh man probably one of the funniest things that happened to me so i was playing a zombie and i'm like my face is like in the ground when i went down and uh i look up and one of the players is just like laying right next to me <laughs> so it was a little out of game but it was like really funny because i had like no idea he was there and he's just like waiting for me <laughs> and i lost it the other, the other great thing with zombies is that because there's kind of a gray area as far as genetic mutations and monsters go with that, there's a lot of room for, you know, we throw a bunch of people in zombie costumes and then you kind of say, well, we need something else. So mm-hmm. uh, put on the standard tail or yeah, where yeah, we um, did. Yeah, <laughs> the mod, the monster oh, zombies God. we did, we cut yeah. armholes in a trash bag. And had put it over me like a poncho, arm and head holes. And then we had another cast member inside the trash bag. Mm. And we did an alien bust out of the trash bag like it was out of my chest and come after people. We strapped a giant headless foam torso to my body. Yep. And I wandered around and as a zombie. giant headless... <laughs> Just nipply naked man. Yes, that was Mr. Nipples. <laughs> Mr. Nipples. <laughs> Mr. Nipples, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's that amazing... Uh, improvisation just mm-hmm. with monsters <laughs> yeah again a sort of unique and special thing you think you got going with having that kind of uh improv and and looseness to things that uh make it a lot of fun These and memorable you know costume components yeah go have at it yeah <laughs> and and the players like you know they don't know what's coming at them you know it's like yeah. it's not just going to be goblins and skeletons who knows what's going to show up you know what are they going to cook up next? You know? How you kill it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's it's fun having that that level of kind of improvisational um, freedom to create mobs and creatures, and you always want to do it within within a certain constraint. You say, you know, this probably comes from this society. Sure, yeah. This probably has this kind of backstory, but if the players respond to it well, or it it works really well in the fields. I mean, you've got a whole new monster class. Yeah, who knows if you yeah. if you talk to that headless zombie properly, he could be your greatest ally in this yeah. game. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it really has to depend upon how the players interact. With the we game. we had a a like there's there's a long, complicated, winding story throughout the past couple of years that involves an insane doctor who died and then his insane like you know compatriot slash apprentice shows up and antagonized the town and then he became a pseudo is pseudo protagonist almost (laughs) in which he's like secretly funding a bunch it's okay so you have a you have a you have a a a, a six foot guy that comes out with sir- uh, syringes for fingers, yeah, and in a, a in a black yeah. shroud, right, yeah. and he's, can only properly breathe through a gas mask. He's covered in. Is scars. that a bad guy or yeah. a good guy? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's he's also always in the presence of zombies and or monsters. <laughs> is and that your greatest ally? Insanely. Or is that yeah. is the person who's going to take over the town? Well, let me tell yeah. you. I'll give you the answer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. That guy now has the ear of at least five players. Mm. One of whom is the mayor, and it's amazing. <laughs> oh, it's so much. Yeah. Well. You guys, I really appreciate your podcast because you give us a connection to the rest of the multiverse. Mm. Yeah, um, it's like sitting here at a tavern talking to you guys, yeah. and uh, you know, it's uh, definitely filling a void out there. Um, so, props to you guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm, thank you. It's been very nice to um, see a kind of growing connection to the the greater you know sphere of just LARPing in general, not specifically LARPs, not specifically people, but just the ideas and the the takeaways from kind of seeing uh, how these things interact. I think it's really it's really cool. So many different ideas out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, God. just like the culmination of human creativity is LARPing. You know, there's no constrictions. It's whatever comes to your imagination. Uh, it's good to see uh, get a, a a little view into some of these other groups. I wish that somebody would invent a transporter device so we could just hop to each live-action role-play. But then I would never work. Mm. So... Well, you wouldn't have to. You invented California. You're rich beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah, it's it's really cool, and I think it's a a really cool time to get into LARPing because we're starting to see people who are looking at it and saying, like, well, we don't have to you know do things the way we used to like you were saying like you created a game that changed the things that you weren't into or weren't liking you know and people are just taking ideas from all sorts of things and and sort of changing like when you say larp like it it's going to be so different from game to game i think more so than ever just from our sort of last year or so of investigating this this really cool hobby um and and some of the things you can find online and even come up and up in your own head of like, well, how could I, how could I accomplish this? Or how could I pull this off? Like those crazy ideas you come up with are easier than ever to find a way to do it, you know, sure. through, through YouTube, using technology, yeah, technology and, and, and yeah. the different things you have available. So it's what a time to be alive. And just, just a general <laughs> proliferation of information. Yeah. Like, you know, just even a YouTube video on how to how to make a boffer right. weapon is that could be enough fodder and enough information to get people going, and I, I think it's cool. I think it, it's a good time to be a LARPer. Yeah, that's gonna be, that's gonna be a project this winter. Oh, We've got to put out excited. some videos. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'd like to see that because most of the ones I've seen are terrible. Yeah, yeah. here, here, not surprising. Yeah, yeah it's a couple. Of I mean, guys. they look like they made a nice weapon, but like. They've never spoken to a camera before, or <laughs> there's a kid yelling in the background, or in across the, their yeah, workshop. I just want to show people how to make a still duct tape weapon that can take one heck of a beating and still be a safe weapon. Yeah, because we just like, as you know, we're a little bit heavier of a combat than as is typical. We cannot use latex weapons in our game. We've tried, mm-hmm. and it's just it's too heavy of a combat. Um, sure. You know, we'll grab a. We have a couple of latex weapons around, and cast members have grabbed it and gone out there, and they just don't feel right using it because we do follow. You know, we we aren't 
out of control, but you know, our combat system is, is a medium as a medium style combat. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, you know, you, you got to check your swings even with our weapons, but when you know that you're going to hit somebody else's weapon or their shield, you hit it. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, uh, you know, some even so, with some of the techniques, if I make one mistake um, making a cross guard, it blows that cross guard right to pieces. Um, and uh, so, there's a few techniques I'd love to share with people because they're safe, they're strong, um, and uh, I'm still a big fan of duct tape, as you know. <laughs> I know we're a small breed of people. Yeah, I know. Nowadays, it's getting hard. <laughs> But even even just to get the the visuals and the ideas out there, because there's also definitely that stigma with duct tape weapons and like oh boffer weapons, and you have to make this gigantic sure. just brick on the end of a piece of PVC. But I mean, we know like we know to check our swings. We know that what we're doing is pretty intense combat, and we're not so intent that you know you don't feel it. You feel you feel the impact and because we're not super focused on making sure that you never once ever feel being struck by a weapon, we can do kind of certain things and take certain liberties with the design and with the kind of the style. And I, I think the weapons look good and they work well. And I, I would love to just, even just to get what we do out there, because I don't see a lot of stuff online that is similar. Well, I I think our, our weapon building technique and the style have allowed us to build very large and intimidating weapons that I don't think you could make out of, out of latex. They would be either too complicated or too heavy or, or or too hard to use. And Eli's sword as an example, um, you know, was, it was six feet long. It was, you know, eight inches wide at the base. It was a massive weapon. And we were, you know, we were able to use that in, in only real fashion. Less yeah. than two pounds. Yeah, and it didn't yeah, weigh it very amazing. much, and it it allowed me as a as a cast yeah. member to look like yeah. uh, a juggernaut, and that you know that's sure. a feel that I don't think you could get with any other weapon building style. And that's that's something I know I've always been very um, very intense about is seeing seeing LARPs or seeing things that I feel is very lore breaking or world kind of you know immersion breaking. Yeah. Because the weapons are these big cartoony foam sticks mm, yeah. or they just they don't fit. And I think it's while not integral to the gameplay, it is important from a a lore. It's and, just as important as costume. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. A, it's important to the immersion of the world to have a good looking weapon, I think. Yeah. And I but don't if you're good looking and it's going to maim somebody. Don't don't do that. Yeah, no. No weapon. No sac. Yeah, we don't want to yeah. sacrifice life and limb to look cool. Please don't use metal duct tape. Yeah. Oh God, that hurts a lot. That hurts deep. Oh God. You know what I'm talking about? That that actual metal. Aluminum foil duct tape. We've had a couple of Ooh. people coat their weapons in that and try to get them passed, and it's like no. They've basically made legitimate swords. <laughs> Sharp We're not that immersive. Oh, we could go on for another five oh, hours, yeah, but yeah, we love it. It's our passion. Yeah, but thank you for yeah. having us. No, thank you. It was good. Good talking to you guys again. Good to get the word out there. How uh, if people do hear this and maybe happen to be in the close by? How um, how can they get into that lottery system? Precious lottery, or just check out the pictures and stuff. 
Yeah, definitely check out uh, our Instagram account, uh, Ruins of Destiny. Um, uh, and then uh, we have a Facebook account, again, Ruins of Destiny, but it's uh, two words. It's Ruins and then Of Destiny. Um, I think we've ironed out the problems with that. We had another player make a Ruins of Destiny Facebook page and... Uh, it has was sucking up all of our uh, hits um, and going to the unofficial site that nobody maintained instead yeah, of our actual site. So, um, but uh, you know, the other that that's probably the two best ways and contact uh, me um, through that fa- that Facebook is monitored by me um, and contact me. Uh, let me see what you're about. Uh, because I protect our players and, um, you know, I don't, it's, uh, it's a game, uh, that, that, uh, all of us really love and, uh, we don't want anybody coming in and messing it up, but, uh, we also want people to come. So we want to give people a chance to come and, um, but, uh, yeah, this, it's pretty easy to get in. Um, and we're slowly increasing, like I said, with 37 people right now, uh, we started this year at about 24 people so or 28 people i think the first uh, event was um and so we're increasing by the year we're almost to our goal so we'll see what we're going to do once we get there um we're running right now about 35 dollars per event uh, and that gets you uh some pizza for dinner as well um and uh, so I think we're still well affordable for the amount of stuff that we pack into things. Definitely. And uh, we're in Cambridge, New York. Um, and uh, that's just south of Saratoga. And it's uh, about an hour north of Albany. And so, yeah, those are really our only two presences online is uh, Instagram and, and Facebook. And that's we may be able to get the, the funding to set up a web page at some point, but that's all we're dealing with now. Sure. Fantastic. And any, um, kind of just a touch, but uh, sticking with the one-day model or having people overnight, or what do you think? There is uh, a great desire I have to go an overnight game. Um, there's a lot of challenges involved with that, though. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, the biggest thing that a overnight game allows us to do is have stuff in the dark. And let's just face it, things are more terrifying in the dark. And that's why we like role-playing, is we want it, uh, We want to have that, that terrifying experience. We want to and get out of it and be the hero and, and uh, us as cast members. We want to scare the pants off you. So um, it's... Uh, you know that would be great to be able to do an overnight game um i don't know if we have the type of energy that we need because <laughs> we put out as cast members yeah, we put out 150 yeah. percent of our energy we would probably have to space ourselves out a little bit one of the options that we were thinking of entertaining was mayhaps going till three in the morning and giving people an option to set up a tent but then the okay. next morning not be an in-game morning, right. you know. So uh, again, our model for starting this, or my model, has been always a little tiny step at a time and see how it works. Um, 
And uh, that way, if you fail, it's not too big of a failure, you know. So, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. that's what we'd like to see. But, Maybe like a uh, role play non-com Friday evening for like two to four hours. That'd be cool. You know, one, start one early. mod maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Just and there, there's certainly a lot of options, and the more uh, the more dedicated cast members we have, will make that possible. Um, I I don't really like the player base. That's great. Um, that's that's where we get our prop money. Um, that's where we get. You know the ability to to give these great modules and these great experiences, um, uh, but the cast members—they're the labor. They're the like I said, a week's worth of afternoons of labor. Um, I can't, I, I I can't do it all. So it needs to be. We need to have some more really dedicated cast members that not only do labor but um, own certain sections of lore um so that the players are getting consistent um interaction and uh their efforts are getting rewarded if you have players out there that are trying really hard in the faction they want to yeah get involved with and there's no cast member to support them or the cast member can only get to them one game out of the year that's not fair so um, we really got to keep that balance yeah, it's hard when you got a good thing though, and people want more of it. So absolutely, you know. yep. yeah. <laughs> but it yeah. seems like you're doing you're doing things well and a good pace and keeping things in check, which is important. Yeah, fantastic. Alrighty, I uh, definitely appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you. Thank, Thank you again. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, we've been talking to Runes of Destiny. We got Levi, Armand, and Holden. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, great game you got out there um sad i couldn't see more of it in person but i, I do still enjoy keeping keeping in touch with you guys and yeah. checking out the pictures and instagram um so i wish you only the best and yeah excited to see what happens next to your Absolutely. little destinites <laughs> thank you Alrighty, this has been 321 Leon Podcast, Next Level Nerds LARP Podcast. Please go to nextlevelnerd.com and you can connect with all of our shows. If you like movies, television shows, gaming, and of course LARP, just search Next Level Nerd and Google your favorite podcasting app like iTunes, Spotify, YouTube even. But thank you so much for listening and remember, spread the word, spread the nerd. finally went to like a scripted thing so I can remember everything. (laughs) (laughs) Inevitably, I'd say something stupid.